Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 151 of the show, the Premier League show, that is, the main show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on with you? Yeah, uh, kind of caught off guard this week, an unprecedented event with the, the Queen, unfortunately, passing. I think it was the... The day following last week's episode, right? It was on the last Thursday or Friday. Or, yeah, I think yeah. it was last Thursday or something. But sad to see that. I don't think we're going to have another one of these type of weird episodes for maybe another 10 years. Got to wait for King Charles III now to pass. Yeah. Um, who knows? Not speaking on that too much, but unfortunate there. It had to affect all the, the scheduling and that for the Prem. Um, but it is what it is, and... We only have seven games here to preview this week. Um, we got no recap um, other than we were going to dabble into um, the European side of things with the Champions League and Europa League. So should be a pretty quick-fired episode, really. Yeah, there's like like Matt said, there's really not much to talk about. Um, I Our picks are probably going to be just based off of how we feel about the team's current form. I mean, we always do that, but like we didn't get to see them play last week because of the postponements. So um, it, it's going to be interesting to see. And there's a couple of postponements in, in this week too. Brighton and Palace, Chelsea and Liverpool, United and Leeds. So two, actually, of those are, are really good uh, matches, and we're not going to get to see them this week, which is unfortunate. The only good thing is we are going to get to see these fixtures at a later date. Um, so we won't hold you up any longer. We'll jump in. We have Aston Villa taking on Southampton Friday, September 16th. And I would imagine all of these players will be at full strength, full health. I guess it, it helps, um, that, you know, they got a week off regardless of the circumstances. Uh, I am going to take Southampton in this one. Um, I'm not, I'm not high on Villa. I just don't like how they've been playing. They're currently in 17th place. Southampton are above them. To be honest with you, I I imagine that Villa will actually be the favorite in this game. Um, and, yep, they are. So I'm going to take Southampton. I'm going to ride with their current form. They haven't played all that poorly. They do have two wins in their last four or five, rather. And uh, Villa, you know, have three losses in their last five. So I'm going to go with Southampton. Yeah, both teams are missing some key players. Um, we have Southampton. We still have Livermento out, as well as new uh, new signing from this summer, Romeo Levia. As soon as he got his first goal for the club against Chelsea, picked up a hamstring injury, which will hold him out until mid-October. So that's going to be a big hole for them. They already le- uh, sold Romeo, who was their main guy in that position last year. So... Potentially, we could see um, Diallo get more time in there. They did just loan in Maitland Niles from Arsenal on the deadline day. So he could be getting some first team minutes right off the bat after this um, on on, on an unexpected break in the season. But yeah, um, I'm not too confident in Aston Villa. They are in 17th right now. It's just kind of hard to to go off of what happened seven to 10 days ago in their last games. They've had a lot of time to rest and think about how they're going to prepare for these matches. So I'm almost seeing this as like a game week one type of thing. I don't know, really know where to go as much, but 
Um, I think I'm just going to go with a draw here, straight down the middle. Southampton's a really tricky team, and Aston Villa as well. I forgot to mention Matty Cash will be out, so Ashley Young's probably going to get a bit of a run in the team now. Um, I know Callum Chambers can play at right back too, but I think Young, after his performance against uh, City last time they played, did well, so he'll probably get the nod, but I think... Southampton on a weird fluky goal at the end maybe draws it. Yeah, I I totally agree there. Um about um depth and stuff, but yeah, I'm I'm actually just going to stick with uh stick with Southampton. Uh okay, let's jump into Nottingham Forest versus Fulham, the team who has done the most business and another team who's done a little bit of business in Fulham. Um man, this is a tough one. Nottingham Forest have, have has had some capitulations. You'll have to pardon me for the way I'm speaking. I have recorded so much content today. It uh, my mouth is just wrecked. Um, I'm gonna take Fulham in this one. I just think that their pace so far has been absolutely fantastic. Fulham currently sit in tenth place. Um, <clears throat> two wins in their last five. And then you have Nottingham Forest, who are sitting in nineteenth. Just a couple of points above that last spot where actually Leicester City are, which I totally forgot about how shit they were in the week that we didn't get to watch them play. Um, I just think this is uh, an opportunity for Mitrovic to get himself on the board yet again. I can see him absolutely slicing up this Nottingham Forest back line. They have not been great. Uh, and I just think Fulham, this, this should be an easy one for them. They The odds are pretty much split down the middle. So Fulham are a little bit of a favorite, but... Um, I think they get the job done here. Yeah, I'm still not. Excuse me, I'm still not um convinced by Forrest with the the constant swapping of three to four players every week in the lineup. They just, I think they brought in too many players into the squad. There's too many options for Steve Cooper to go, and I feel like as a manager, that's a bit of a problem. He can't find that right lineup or right pairing up front, even so. I think uh, a safe pick, I'm going to go with you as well. I think Fulham, we, we know how they play. They have their main guy up front, um, and they look pretty dominant too. So I think going up against a team, that another promoted team with them, I think they'll have a fair fair shake on the game and have a lot of opportunities. They get plenty of chances against all the big dogs, so I don't see why they won't have the same, if not more, against a team that came up with them this year. Uh, okay, let's move on to Wolves versus Manchester City. Uh, City, obviously, the clear favorite here. They are in second place. Wolves are in 14th. Uh, I don't really think there's much we need to talk about here. I think City probably uh, have a pretty easy job of destroying Wolves here. I mean, we've seen uh, plenty of Erling Holland. I don't know if you saw the goal he scored today, but uh, I I just don't see how he is stoppable whatsoever he's incredible so i'm uh i'm gonna go with city yeah we may see the start of our gear boy diego costa in the team with menace is a game time decision so potentially they may be splitting minutes but um that would be incredible his first game backs against man city uh gotta go with city though they're gonna be without kyle walker which is going to be a massive loss. We know their fullback depth is pretty weak at this point after letting go of Zinchenko and not really filling that void. They did bring in that Sergio Gomez, who has played a couple games in the Champions League. 
as well as a Kanji. I don't know if he'll be able to play a fullback role, though. They might push John Stones. I know they've done that in the past, so we may be seeing John Stones at a fullback position, and I think on the counters, that will be a prime spot for Wolf to capitalize on, so um, still going to go with uh, Man City. Okay, cool. Um, having a tough time navigating this. We have Newcastle versus Bournemouth. Oof, Newcastle, a heavy favorite in that one. Bournemouth currently sitting in 13th place on seven points. Newcastle also on seven points. However, I don't necessarily think the table tells the whole story here. I think Newcastle are a much, much better side. I believe they will still be without Callum Wilson. Uh, if I recall correctly, Bruno Guimaraes should be back in this game. Uh, I don't think he was all that banged up. I, I could be wrong. Um, but... I think Newcastle will be uh, will be in better spirits and certainly will be at much more full strength uh, in this one. So I'm going to take them against a Bournemouth team who has a new manager uh, and has been struggling outside of that result against Nottingham Forest where they came back. Yeah, I think that this extra time off has helped Newcastle a bit. I think that Wilson and Gamera's may be able to make appearances in this game probably off the bench, ideally, as well as St. Max. You can't forget about him and what he brings to this team. They've struggled a bit offensively without those three. Um, and having them back against a prime candidate in Bournemouth is perfect for them to lace him back up and get a lot of goals. So I'm going to go with Newcastle as well. Okay, beautiful. Um, Tottenham versus Leicester City. Man, this is an easy one. Tottenham currently your third place team. They sit on 14 points with three wins and two draws in their last five. Leicester City, five losses to start the year off. They did, I believe, draw one game. Um, but their last five games are, are five losses. So I think this should be a, a pretty straightforward run for Tottenham. They did lose to Porto. Uh, I think that was yesterday. Sporting Lisbon. Or Sporting Lisbon, rather. Sorry. Um, they lost 2-0, unfortunately. The, the stats were pretty much packed right on up there, though. You know, 12 shots across the board, six shots on target for both sides, and the possession was split down the middle. Uh, I just don't think the, the strength of the lineup was there, and there wasn't enough changes done. Son looked like shit, and he wasn't changed out. Uh, he should have been. So, I, regardless of, of that uh, result, I think that they go and <clears throat> get the result here against Leicester City. It is a home game, so I think uh, this one should be pretty easy. And I'd like to see Richarlison start. Yeah, I think that's a fair shake. Going to go with Spurs as well. Leicester's back line is just in shambles. They, they've they done no business, and they've let go of players at the last minute, pretty much screwing themselves. And I, I think the players are pretty much fed up with Rodgers at this point and just want to get a new a new atmosphere in the locker room and a new voice to hear from. I think he's been there for quite some time now. And that kind of the phase of, of Lester is kind of dying out a bit um, in the short term at this point, but who knows, this could be a long down world, downward spiral into the championship. You never know. Um, but as well, yeah, I'm going to go with Spurs and then uh, I'm sorry. I forgot to say Zach's picks too, but I'll just rattle them off quick. He quick. He had Southampton over Villa, Fulham over Forest, City over Wolves, and then Newcastle over Bournemouth and Spurs over Leicester. So um, I think those are all the same as yours. 
Yeah, I believe yeah. they are. Yeah, yes, they are. Right. Um, I know this next one is one that Zach's going to have a different one. I heard you speaking to him. Uh, hey, I think he picked a flyer. We have Brentford going against Arsenal at G-Tech Community Stadium. So that's where Brentford play. Uh, Arsenal coming off a defeat in their last game, unfortunately, against uh, United. But they do have five wins before that. They're currently on 15 points. Brentford uh, in eighth on nine points. Brentford have looked really good. Uh, Tony has been fantastic. Brentford have won five of their six home league games against Arsenal, uh, including a 2-0 victory in this exact fixture last term. So Brentford are a team that they typically have Arsenal's number. I don't know why that's the case, but those are the numbers for you. Um, I, I think this is a game that Arsenal should be able to win. They've had a ton of time off, although they do play tomorrow. Is it tomorrow that they have a match? Yeah, they play. Yeah. They play tomorrow. I think at. Uh, oh no, there's nothing on here. I see. Oh, all right. So yeah, no, they're not. They're off. Okay, they're off. No match. Um, mm-hmm. they're going to be fully rested, and they have a lot more firepower than Brentford. Um, they you know Brentford has a couple of really good guys. I think Embuemo is great. I think Tony's fantastic as well. Uh, but I do think Arsenal are just a far superior team, and I think that they get the result here. I know they still have some uh, <clears throat> some blood in their mouth from United, but uh, we should be able to get back on track here. Yeah, Thomas Party's looking to make his return to the starting eleven after a week or two absence, which would be nice. Line him up next to Xhaka again, back to how they started the year. Uh, I agree with you. Brentford's a tricky team for them. They always play them tight. Uh, it's going to be hard on the road there. Uh, another London derby here, but I think they'll play it similarly to how they did against Fulham. Uh, we know that Brentford have a talisman up front, just like Fulham do from Mitrovic now to Tooney, who is coming off a superb hat trick. So that could be a bit of questioning of Saliba and Gabrielle, how they take their approach to 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 uh, null him, if you will. But yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go with you as well. I'll go with Arsenal. And then Zach's going to pick a draw here. He thinks the long break's going to benefit Brentford here. OK, fair enough. Um. Okay, and then what do we have next? Oh, there's only one more. Everton versus West Ham. These teams, two extreme underperformers so far this season. Both teams only have four points. Everton are in 16th. West Ham are in 18th. The form is looking absolutely abysmal. Four draws and a loss in the last five for Everton. Uh, three three losses, a draw, and a win for West Ham in their last five. So, I don't know. This is one of those games that I actually have been having a tough time picking. I think uh, West Ham are, are probably the favorite in this one, but the odds are going to be closer to the center line than you would think. Um, Jordan I'm, Pickford is expected to miss three to four weeks due to a thigh injury. I saw that. That's That's bad. So they'll have um Begovic. Oh, it's Begovic that's the backup there. Yeah. I forgot about that. It's not that Robin Olsen guy. No, I think he's with Aston Villa now. Oh yeah, he is. Alright. Um regardless, I'm gonna take a draw. I I mean Pickford is a is a huge part of that Everton back line. He's extremely important um in terms of morale, but I do think that 
West Ham have been struggling offensively. Everton get enough out of their front couple guys, mostly Anthony Gordon. Um, and I, I just think I can see this one being nil-nil or 1-1. It's going to be locked down. It's going to be ugly. Unless West Ham surprised me, I just think that's where it's going to go. And then Zach and I are going to go polar opposite here. He believes in Frank Lampard. He thinks Everton's going to nick a win. I'm on the other end. I think West Ham get at least three goals here. I think this is a battering. I think Pickford being out is massive. He's made a minimum of five crazy saves a game this whole season throughout each game. It's it's crazy how much of a figure he is in this team, and I think without him for these next couple games will be massive in how they perform. So I'm going to go with West Ham here to to kind of shake things out and really really start their season up finally now and get out of the basement. Okay, cool. Um, and then do you want to go over some of the more recent um, goings-on in the, the Champions League from the, the Prem side? There's only a yeah. couple of teams in here. I think, what, there's three teams? I guess starting off, we know Man City has been controlling cool. controlling the, the, the group so far. They're 2-0, six goals, one against. They just beat Dortmund on a comeback, and their old boy Holland's doing them dirty. Um, I haven't seen any of the highlights or anything, so I'm kind of just going based off the numbers and stats. But, yeah, I mean, Man City starting off strong, which is what they always do normally, right? In the group stage, they control it. And then once the knockout rounds come, it's just that one game where things don't fall into, pe- into place for them. Yeah. Um, I, I Let's talk about... Um, let's talk about... And why are their names slipping me right now? Liverpool. Yeah. Um, they're on three points. They're in second in their group. What do you think about... So there's there's been some talk maybe about Trent switching positions. I don't know if this is going to happen or not. Um, when I watched him play against Ajax yesterday, it's just constant box-to-box play. Do you think they could swap him in to play box-to-box midfielder and it would help with how far out wide Salah's been because I think he's been he's been out. He's been out too far. I think moving him more central gets him more touches, gets him more chances to finish, and it fixes a lot of problems for Liverpool. Do you, what? How do you feel about that? Do you think it, it's possible to move Trent in and play him in there, or or is that just not the solution? I don't think they have the depth there, really. Yeah. I mean, their their go-to option would be to play Joe Gomez out there um, over somebody like James Milner because they they do have they do have Shemikas, but he's a left back, and they don't have an actual right back in the team to play there. So they'd have to play somebody out of position a bit who isn't fully comfortable there. I mean, out of all of them, Joe Gomez would be the guy, but I think. In the solo point, I think having him more central is where you want him um, breaking the lines in yep. between the fullback and center back. Uh, that we've we're still trying to figure out a way to cope without Mane. Um, Mane did a lot of that work the last the last four to five years he was there, um, and Salah could enjoy more space to himself. But I, I think Diaz is a bit more selfish and likes to dribble a little bit more on the ball and he cuts inside on that right and likes to hit curlers to the far post and can't really get things done. But I think Mane and Salah had more link up play than now Diaz and Salah do. So 
But I think Trent in an ideal world in the middle would be an interesting thing. I think it would add a new depth to Liverpool. We know he has a phenomenal passing, uh, a phenomenal range of passing, and he would ideally fit in that that fill in that that void of Thiago when he's out for uh, the time he is throughout the year. We know he'll be out occasionally now and then to, for a few weeks, and I think it's it's a it's a it's a neat idea. I don't know how how it would go in practice week in and week out. But yeah, I just I think they kind of need that bit of change in the team because they played a certain way for so long now. Um, and they are lacking in the midfield department. And I think in the short term, if they if they could get him to work in the middle, that'd be ideal. And then they can make those signings next summer to to get him back out to where he needs to be. So I, I guess that's where I stand on that. Okay, cool. Um, <clears throat> anything else you want to talk about Champions League-wise besides the fact that uh, Holland just is the greatest striker we've ever seen? Yeah, I think it's we're only two games in out of the six. The, the difference is that all six matches will be completed before the World Cup, so it's going to be coming thick and fast, and managers are going to have a tough time with rotating guys in and out. and changing their mindsets into the different competitions. We know that uh, we already touched on Man City's in the best position and Tottenham and Liverpool are both in second with their wins, but Tottenham now uh, losing yesterday on two two late-minute goals from Sporting. Um, very, very unacceptable. I'm sure Conte was fuming. They just couldn't generate a lot of, of chances, um, and they just... Them not themselves not getting on the ball as much is kind of a killer in these situations where these Portuguese teams like slowing the game down and keeping the ball and picking and choosing their moments where Tottenham like to break quick and fast. So I guess that was a bit of a shock for them. Um, I know you wanted to touch on Tottenham a bit. Yeah, I mean, they got exposed um, midweek yesterday. They did play against uh, Sporting. Like I said, the... <clears throat> the goals were were nothing insane. They both came really late on, one in the 90th and then one in stoppage time. Um, but what I took from this game was the fact that Conte didn't use his subs early enough, in my opinion. Uh, you have the opportunity to use five subs here. You only use one, and it was to take Sun off, which is what should have happened. But Sun should have come off early. I mean, I, I thought he should have come off at halftime or maybe even in the, the 60th minute. You have to give your guys enough time. Um, he really should have come off at halftime, but you need to give yourself enough time for your subs to make impact, and it was just a bit late in my opinion. I think the team played okay, but to capitulate and let two goals in in the 90th and the 93rd in a match where you should be able to control it, not only control it, but win it, uh, it's just not good enough. And I think a manager of Conte's caliber should know uh, that he can sub literally half of his players off if he feels that the pace of the game needs to be changed. And he's a guy that knows when the game needs to switch up. Uh, so I think that was that was a bit of a fumble from him. Um there's just there's a bunch that you can do there. You can slot guys in and out. You can move them around. You can throw Richarlison up top. Um, and I don't know. It just wasn't good enough. I'm glad they brought Kulisevsky on, but he should have been on earlier. 
Yeah, and that, and I think a lot of people thought they would walk this group um, on paper with a draw, one of the easier groups you would think. But still, there's some some competitive matches in there, and I think they they still have plenty of time. I think 12 points gets them in there easily. You could debate even 10. So I, I think they're in an okay spot. But worst worst of them all is Chelsea right now. Unfortunately. Um, one point now out of two. They they drew Salzburg today, unfortunately, and lost to Zagreb, which ultimately led to Tuchel getting sacked. Yep. Um, not entirely on that one game in itself, but Bowley kind of had a uh, that 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 notion in his mind a bit for the whole summer. So Graham Potter in his first game, getting a one-one draw home as well better at home than on the road um just giving up the lead in the 75th to Salzburg Salzburg who's a young energetic team and and club and is always promoting talent it's it's a bit of the european version of southampton in a way um they were they they kept a couple of their decent players where uh in the past they've let go of a lot of talent but they always regroup kind of how ix as well so and we saw the new formation, and we know Potter changes it a bunch of times. He he's utilizes about four different formations throughout the year, but um, that's at Brighton, and we'll see if he carries those values over into a top club like Chelsea um, with all these big personalities. So uh, he chose a 4-2-3-1, which has good structure, and we, we saw Havertz in a conventional position for him where i think he feels that he would play best in that 10 role attacking mid can pick up a lot and pick up the ball and be involved in a lot of the build-up play doesn't have to be that lead guy to hold things up Aubameyang was there we saw sterling more on the wing which is where he thrives not having to be an inside forward and uh kovacic and Jorginho as the holding mids but i think the biggest call was as p at center back with Thiago Silva, um, he did take take Aspi off and switch to the three back later on. But yeah, it's very interesting to see. I'm gonna have to watch the highlights for more to get more of an insight on things. But um, it's really tough. He's under massive, massive pressure. We know at these big clubs, especially at Chelsea, you're given very, very little time to to show the results. Um, I think the the team that that benefited the most from the the unfortunate passing of the queen was Chelsea because we would we would have been thrown he would have been thrown into the wolves with a match against Liverpool so I think he dodged a bullet there and now he's he he he's going to go up against um Palace now after an international break so he has a lot of time now to get with the squad I mean he's going to be given 2 weeks now to prepare with them. Um, obviously some of them are going on international break, but he's going to have the most amount of time to prepare for these next couple games, which are massive about the champions league. Now that they, they've got off to a terrible start. And now they, the, the next two are against Milan first home and the second one away. So ideally they need to pick up four points in those two matches. So it's very tricky times for for the club, and it's a pivotal moment in Graham Potter's career as a manager in a way because I think everybody, and I think us too, would agree that eventually this was going to come where he was going to be given the chance at one of the 
the established big clubs in England, and well, some people think it's a bit soon, but he's here now, and this is where this is what he's given. So, um, yeah, just a lot of things going through my head. Yeah, there's certainly some thoughts that I'm I'm sure that all Chelsea fans are feeling right now. It's a it's a time of change, both yeah. managerially in terms of the team sheet as well as ownership. It's it's just a transition period. Yeah, I'm sure that you guys will be fine. But um, yeah, you know, it's one thing. Sorry, it's one thing to talk about it over here in the states, but. I would love to get a uh, an idea of what it's like over there now, going to games and hearing all the locals and oh, I don't people think that are. No, I think I think I'm just calmly talking about it. And I think there's a lot of people on edge and um, just really want the club to turn around because of all the money we've been spending, and especially this year now with a new owner and he's already been preaching um, American sports ideology with a a uh, all-star game I saw that. and talking about other things like that. And I think Jurgen Klopp's already spoken out about it of saying, uh, cause we know he's a big guy that hates, he hates uh fixture congestion and adding one more thing like that. Just pretty much got under his skin a bit. So um, he pretty much laughed it off, but I don't know that'd be an interesting idea, but there's just no time, especially this in this year in a world cup year especially too so yeah it's it's not i saw that too and to be honest with you for a second i i thought like hmm, that would be cool that that that's a neat thing but i think the allure of that would would wear off quickly because it's just an exhibition when it comes down to it it's another chance for guys to get hurt it's another thing you have to make room for in the schedule and um you know bully yeah. is talking about it would fund the pyramid it wouldn't really fund the pyramid because the pyramid encompasses all of of english football and that's five six seven divisions including non-league stuff um the 200 million that you pull in from that uh mlb all-star game is not something you're going to pull in for an all-star game that the general population of gb and i have absolutely zero interest in attending um so (laughs) as as cool as it sounds for us you know the american fan uh, I think the success level would be something similar to the Pro Bowl, which is not successful anymore in America. Yeah, I was um, going to say that for the product on the field, it's a bit all over the place, and you could throw the All Star Game yeah. for the NBA in there as well. It's just a, it's just a time for the players to go out there and enjoy themselves, and yeah. you can't you can't really get that same amount of effort on a soccer pitch where the defenders literally just letting guys go in and score like i don't i don't think they would let that happen so no and it, would, it wouldn't um, be an entertaining watch the concept is great but in practice it's just it's just not it it's not there yeah i mean it's fully an american idea which i don't think anybody in europe would get on board with no the, no he just doesn't have enough support to <laughs> to push that so yeah yeah that's it's tough um I think that's pretty much everything that that we wanted to uh, discuss. We managed to to milk an hour for, or half an hour, sorry, rather from this one. Yeah, that's um, good enough. Yeah, so you guys have our predictions. Um, there's games that we missed last week, or not that we missed, but that the prem missed. Uh, will be made up. They'll be tacked on somewhere. I don't know when. I guess towards the end of the season. We'll figure it out. Um, but 
I wanted to thank you guys for listening. Make sure you check us out on social media at Post20Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can also check out uh, all the past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. The NFL show, we recorded an episode this morning. That's up as well. So make sure you check out uh, all that stuff. And thanks for joining us here on this one. We'll see you next week.